I hitchhiked to Montreal when I was 16 years old. Really? 1970. <laughs> so what made you hitchhike to Montreal? I was um, working. Well, I had met this this girl at high school in, at the high school who was making her own music, and she fascinated me um, more intellectually than in any other way. If you know what I mean. Sure. Uh, so we formed a duo, and um, to to create the duo, we said, "Well, let's call it Nightchild." We thought it was cool sounding, Nightchild. Oh, okay. Then then. Her name went from being Debbie Wall to Virgil Knight, and I went from Johnny Barrett to Desmond Child, and then we became Nightchild. And so her father lived in Montreal. She was Canadian. And so she was staying for the summer of 1970 with her dad, and I decided to hitchhike all the way there from Miami Beach. How long did that take? How long did that take? It took like days <laughs> and, you know, sleeping in rest stops and, you know, it was like really, really arduous. And I, and I didn't have like up north clothes because I thought, oh, well, it's August, whenever it was that I, that I went. And um, it was freezing. But, you know, I didn't, I was in like thin little jean jacket hitchhiking through Vermont. And when the sun goes down in August, it's like you're in the polar ice cap. You know, it's so cold. But I got there, and um, you know, uh, you know, I was just there sleeping in a youth hostel, and you know, in a little cot in a giant warehouse where the lights never went off. You know, I mean, it was, this was like crazy, crazy, crazy that I even did that. I mean, my mother, who didn't speak very good English, she said, "Yanni, don't hitch Jack." <laughs> you know, she kind of couldn't. She confused hitchhike with hijack. <laughs> hitchjack. <laughs> now, Show 97.7 in Montreal is one of the most historic radio stations in the world. And literally, I can track your career through the dawn of the radio station because we were seven when we first started playing the song that really kicked open doors for you, which was I Was Made for Loving You by Kiss. You probably weren't even born yet. What are we talking about? I am actually, honestly, Desmond, I am, I am the exact same age as the radio station, so I'm, I'm 54 years old, so I too would have been that age as well. So, so, so there you go. So let, let's start there because your career does span six decades and it will continue to go on, I think, absolutely forever. And let's start there in that decade with that song from Kiss because it does yeah, kick whether, open some doors for my career will go on whether I'm alive or not. That's what you're trying to say when you say forever. Well, yeah, holograms. I mean, it's all the technology's there, right? <laughs> yeah, the, I'll just like cut my head off and put it in a jar, <laughs> and people can come and and talk to me. Did you have any idea the significance of "I Was Made for Loving You" when you worked with Paul Stanley, who was a fan of your band? No, I had no idea what it would become. Honestly, you know, we, 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 we wrote the song and then he took it into the studio and worked on it some more with his producer, Vinnie Poncia. And before I knew it, I was in a cab in New York and I heard it on the radio. And then I called Paul up and I said, you recorded our song? It was like, yeah, it turned out great. <laughs> so let's jump forward to the relationship that began that still continues today with John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora. Kiss was touring in Europe and Bon Jovi was one of the acts in the lineup of the shows that they were doing. And uh, Paul 
and uh, John uh, made friends. And so, you know, Paul, Paul, who's always kind of like a, kind of a rabbi, you know, is like always wise, you know, said to uh, John, why don't you work with this guy Desmond? And uh, he did call me when he got back to the States. And uh, I went out to New Jersey and they were rehearsing and writing at Richie's parents' house, where, where Richie still lived in a tiny little room that had, you know, um, these Kiss posters and ACDC and Farrah Fawcett in the one-piece red bathing suit. And because I saw it when I walked, you know, through the kitchen, I saw his little room on the side. And um, I, I was like, okay, what is going to happen here? And I went down, you know, they showed me down to the basement. I didn't know, I mean, what was going to happen down there. I mean, it was very silence of the lambs, you know what I mean? <laughs> I and, and uh we we wrote our first song there you give love a bad name which was uh, from a title that i brought to the session written on a little piece of paper in my back pocket which is legendary the story too with you know living on a prayer and you you give love a bad name was which one of those two songs was it that bon jovi's management said to you we want to buy you out essentially and take your name off of the record you give love a bad name we hadn't even written living on a prayer and it wouldn't have been written had they kept going down that line you know I was ready to just pull the plug on ever seeing them again. What gave you the, the cojones, the courage to say, you know, this is a non-starter, guys, I'll walk? The fact that I already had a number one song all over the world with Kiss, I, I had, you know, it, it's much stronger when you carry a big stick, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what gave me the courage. But also, you know what? I'm the kid that hitched all the way to Montreal and back. You know, so, I, you know, in courage... I have no short of intelligence. I have some, but luck. I have a lot. <laughs> and Aerosmith's another great example of, you know, you being forthcoming and straightforward enough to be able to say that, you know, what you guys have isn't great. And I think, the, I think the words you used were you wouldn't put it on a bad Van Halen record when it came to the song that was uh, in their title, cruising for the ladies. Yeah, I said the B-side of a bad Van Halen single. <laughs> you wouldn't do that, would you? And, uh, you know, they didn't understand, you know, my humor. Because I'm, I'm a quadruple Scorpio, so I have a kind of sardonic, uh, sarcastic humor. And so, you know, I, I was like really putting uh, Joe off. And, he, and then Stephen kind of piped in and said, well... You know, uh, before I was singing Cruising for the Ladies, I was singing Dude Looks Like a Lady. And I said, what? That's a hit title. And Joe said, but we don't know what that means. And, uh, you know, I said, I know what that means. He says, but we and we don't want to insult the, you know, the gay community. I said, I'm gay, not insulted. This is a hit title. So I asked Stephen, I said, how did you? come up with dude looks like a lady he said well we went into a bar on the shore uh a bunch of us guys with the roadies and everything we were like in a booth and you know laughing and stuff and then at, at the the bar was empty and at the end of this long lonely bar was you know from behind they saw this vision of loveliness this like like uh platinum mullet uh, with like porcelain skin, black nail jewelry, a little, uh, you know, a very curvy waist and uh, voluptuous figure. 
and uh, they were all like drawing straws who was going to go up uh, to, you know, kind of hit on her. And uh, she turned around, and it was Vince Neil of Motley Crue. <laughs> and the and legend so then, was born. And then Steven started going, dude, that, that, dude, that dude, dude looks like a lady. That dude looks like a lady. And he kept saying it over and over again because he loved alliteration. And so then when he went to go write uh, this, you know, the song, Dude Looks Like a Lady, they, uh, you know, I'm sure everyone said, you can't say that. Uh, then it went, cruising for the ladies. Yeah, that's the ticket. And that's when I walked in and said, no way. <laughs> Desmond, when I, look, when I look on your, um, you know, your, your, your list, your hit list, literally, and I see those artists from the 80s, like Bon Jovi, the people obviously that still continue to rock today, the rockers, and then I look at the Shares, the Bonnie Tylers, the Ricky Martins, Carrie Underwoods, um, Robbie Williams, Cisco even. Is there a common theme when it comes to artists that they all share in common? If you're on the level where your name is Cher, <laughs> or even coming, trying to get close to that, you're driven. You know, <laughs> you're just driven. I, you know, it, it it comes with the territory. I, I, you know, I haven't met a huge star that isn't driven because they have a lot of pride and they don't want to fail and they like the taste of, of success. So they do whatever it takes to make it. So what continues to motivate you to, to work every day, which you continue to do? Fear. I grew up really poor. And, you know, every day when I wake up, I just like look around and say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the ghetto anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Well, better get on that email. Uh, you know, better, better start, you know, texting that person back so that I don't fall back into the ghetto <laughs> where I was raised. <laughs> That's sort of always behind. So that's why I say I'm driven by fear. I have to tell you, Desmond, as I go through your book, and I've, I've been through it a number of times, and I go back and look at the photos, and I always want to talk about a picture that, that jumps out to me. And I think my favorite photo legitimately is of you and your husband, Curtis, and your boys in Greece in 2021. And what does it mean to have this, this beautiful legacy that is, that is a loving family to you? Well, to me, that's my true triumph, you know, because... I came from a broken home. My mom was a single mom. My aunts and uncles, none of them stayed together. It was a disaster everywhere I looked. I never knew how to be in a in a lo loving, long-lasting relationship. And, it, you know, I, we're going to celebrate our 34th year together coming up in uh, April, I think. And um, we, you know, we've, we've had a lot of ups and downs, you know, mainly caused by me. Uh, and I was so lucky to find such a loving partner and patient. And um, at somewhere midpoint, we decided to have our own children. And we have a documentary about our journey called Two, the story of Roman and Nero. And um, it, it, it came out uh, 11 years ago, and our sons were in the movie, uh, narrating a lot of the movie. And, um, you know... It's really fantastic because there's a, the reason it's called Two, T-W-O, the story of Roman and Nero, N-Y-R-O, because uh, he's named after the songwriter Laura Nero, who was my friend that passed away. And, um, you know, there's a beautiful scene when they're six months old where we have this blessing and commitment ceremony, uh, because this is before we were allowed to be married, right? 
Yeah. And so uh, John Bon Jovi, who's one of their godfathers, um, wrote a beautiful poem called Two that he read at the ceremony, T-W-O. And um, it's very emotional, very beautiful, and it's a commitment to be, a, you know, their godfather. And, you know, it's very, it's very cool that they have a godfather from New Jersey. <laughs> this is who's all, that's he, a good point. Who's of Sicilian descent, okay? <laughs> Desmond, are are the they boys got, they, are, are the boys following in your footstep? Are they step, they're in their twenties now? Are they are they musically inclined? Or are they what are they up to? Well, th- they were always you know into music and played every uh, instrument and all that. But I think they saw how hard it is to be a musician and to make a life. And so now it's sort of like they they decided to become lawyers and entertainment lawyers. That is because they have a lot of you know, context growing up in show business. So uh, they, they're graduating this year from NYU. And, um, it, you know, we'll see. They're going to uh, do probably these, they have these jobs called paralegals. And they'll do that for, for two years as they study for law school. Wow. And so they'll, they'll see if, they, if that's something they really, you know, have a fire to do. I would love it because then we could reduce our legal expenses. <laughs> Keep the overhead down. Desmond Child's <laughs> book is called Living on a Prayer, Big Songs, Big Life. He wrote it with David Ritz. And I just want to thank you for sharing your story so far. Early on in the book, you say, I'll save this for the second book. And early on in the book, I'm like, yeah, we'll see. And then by the time I was at the end of it, I'm like, if this guy writes another book, I'm going to be the first person in line to get one. Desmond, <laughs> thank you for, t- for sharing your time with everybody here at Show. And we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. And follow me at Desmond.Child on Instagram because I'm there 24-7. You know, I, I I never let it go. That, and my husband's always mad at me. Get off your phone. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. The show nation's going to be all over you. Oh, I, I hope so. Happy New Year, Desmond. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care.